put together our little show If you'd like to hear the puppeteers Play the characters that you cheer So join us as we go, go, go Below the frame On this episode of Below the Frame We will be talking with Muppet performer Julianne Busher we talk about her life as an introvert, living in Los Angeles and being an improviser with Second City, working on dinosaurs, Sesame Street, the Muppets, and so much more. We'll also learn about spatial awareness in puppetry. So stand back. It's time to go Below the Frame. Go, go, go Below the Frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. We are the podcast that talks to honest-to-goodness, real-life, in-the-flesh Muppet performers, and of course... Other people in the Muppet universe. I am your host, Matt Vogel. And if this is your thing, if this is the kind of podcast that you are interested in, great. This is the podcast for you. Uh, you know, something else that we do here on Below the Frame is we give you tips on your puppetry. We you know, kind of frame it in these little cute little ads about something like arm rods, or today we're doing one on spatial awareness. And then we, we give a little talk about that that topic, and we, we give you some real information that you can actually apply to your puppetry, if that's your thing. And if that is your thing, wonderful. This podcast is for you. If, however, it's not really your thing, that's okay. Uh, maybe it's time for you to, you know, fast forward or, you know, go get yourself a snack or something while we do the fake ads and the informational puppetry lesson, and, and that's okay. Uh, yet another thing that we do is uh, we allow my oldest son, Jack, to give me a hard time. And I imagine that uh, that very thing is going to happen on this episode around the 25-minute mark or so. So if you are just here for the Jack Vogel content, amazing, this podcast is also for you. And if you like, you know, you can go ahead and skip to that part of the podcast. What I'm saying is we've got it all here on Below the Frame. I, I, I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I mean, I think that that is what I'm saying. But my point, uh, if I do have a point, is that I would love for you to share this podcast with someone you know, someone in your family or, or somebody that's a friend or you know, share it on social media. Heck, you could even share it with somebody you don't like. It doesn't matter. I'm just hoping that we can all keep getting the word out there that this podcast is for people who love the Sesame Street and the Disney Muppets and, and the Muppet performers too. I don't want anybody to miss out. So that's enough of that, and let's get on to it, because today on Below the Frame, we are going to be hearing from Muppet performer Julianne Busher. She plays Yolanda Rat, uh, Beverly Plume from Muppets Now, streaming now on Disney+. She originated the role of Sherry Netherland on Sesame Street, and she has done a ton of voice acting as well. And uh, she's had a lot of success but her life hasn't been all rosy and wonderful. There was a, a time in her life that was really difficult for her, and we are going to talk about that as well. And I'm looking forward to you guys hearing Julianne's story, so let's get to it, all right? I, I mean, I'm ready. Are you ready? Uh, can I get a show of hands, please? Great. You are ready. So let's go Below the Frame with Julianne Busher. Julianne Busher, welcome to Below the Frame. How are you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank uh, you for having me on your show. Hey, thanks for thanks for being here. This is just what we do at work it's every what day. We, I know. It really is. That's what's the great thing about our job is that a lot of it is spent just <laughs> laughing. laughing. Um, I would like to go back to your roots. Oh. 
back to your roots. Ooh. You grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. That's what the internet says. Is that correct? No. Forget I grew what I said. up in a very tiny little town outside of Cleveland. Oh, um, so Ohio. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, so it was close. <laughs> <laughs> so the internet was just just, just missed it. Yes. Um but an adorable, charming little, you know, white house picket fence uh, community. Um lots of cows and corn and bowling and that's about it. Did you grow up on a farm? <laughs> um around a farm. Um I grew up um my dad was I think fourth generation of our family hardware store um in our mm-hmm. cute little town. Yeah. Our our 19th century little hardware store. Um all red and cute and uh so that's how I grew up. Walking, yeah, well, walking. What was it like growing growing up there? Adorable. Yeah? Yeah, you know. Kind walking. of that picturesque American American kid growing up yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, walking walking in the snow to school and running in the back in the fields, you know, the cabin that was built in the back for... You had a cabin in your backyard? In the backyard, yeah. <laughs> who, from when? Who built it? Uh, my mom and my dad. Really? Um, well, t- tell me, you know what? Tell me about your family. Um, gosh, my mom and my dad both had like six or seven brothers and sisters each. So gigantic family. Some big families. Yeah. So my mom and dad decided that we'll think two's enough for us. So my brother and I are Irish twins, oh, which means we okay. were born less than a year apart. I've got a couple of uh, Irish we- twins as well. Or just, you know, two. Oh, do you? Got the two. Yeah, my, our oldest two. Our oldest two are Pretty close in age. <laughs> Happens. Did 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 were they dressed in matching lederhosen and? Yep, and we put like a little shamrock oh, really? in there. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was yes. hoping someone else on Earth had that happen to them. Wait, you were? Yes. Oh yeah. My, <laughs> what do you mean? My mom loved to um, make costumes, so we would be dressed up, especially to look like Hummels. Yes, um, my mom had a collection of of Hummels. Really? I know exactly what you're talking about, and the little shape of the little little kids. The yes, with a lot yes, of lederhosen. Yes, and when we outgrew that, she started dressing my younger cousins that way, and actually took them to competition and won all the t- <laughs> dress your child as a Hummel contest. <laughs> for was which that a thing? Win. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. I, I had no idea. And I didn't the, know that was a thing. Yeah, the prize was a Hummel. That checks out. I think that that works. Yeah. Awesome. Did you win? Did you ever win? Uh, we t- I won other contests, um, mostly a Halloween contest when she would do the costumes. And she what would ki- de- Oh. I was going to say what kind of costumes was she making you? Oh gosh, at everything. Um one was of course, you know, there's the usual the angel and all of that and once we found some gorilla masks where the jaws moved, these weird plastic masks and they were hinged in the the bottom jaw. So I was dressed like a cowboy gorilla. I had a banana in my holster. <laughs> we won that, yeah. Yeah, you you better win. I- <laughs> Who's going to come up with that? So your mom's really creative. Very much, yeah. Um, she would decorate the house for Christmas every year, and it would be in the paper, and it was a whole thing. Yeah, it was. Other than dress up as a Hummel. Oh my! What uh, What are the other kind of things you did as a kid? I was well. I I am an absolute introvert. Um, so what I really wanted to do was um, 
draw. I wanted to do graphic novels. And eventually I discovered graphic novel is the way to just be everything in one situation. The director, all of the actors, the scene designer, the costumer, you know. Mm, And you could just, it was on your It's a world you're creating on your own, absolutely. completely. And of of course, you know, the um, storyboards (laughs) are basically... (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I really was heading toward. And were you were you drawing? Were you doing that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you I, take classes or anything to to learn how to draw, or were you self taught? No, I was self taught and pretty inherent pretty quickly. Um, and winning a lot of awards in the school for for art. That's and, pretty cool. <laughs> how 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 long did you do drawing and and that art was like that? Actually, right up into co- into um college into um. Senior, junior, senior year. That I was just set to go to college for for art, but then for whatever reason, I was in the drama club and kind of enjoying that. And <laughs> oh boy, I was in Catholic school, and the nuns got a bus and took a bunch of us to New York City. What? No, to go <laughs> to go see some Broadway shows and learn about. I don't know how they got away with it. I don't know how we were allowed to go. But as soon as I saw, what did I see? 42nd Street. That was it. You knew, I've got to do that. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I mean, that's uh, crazy that the nuns would <laughs> cram I, everybody in a bus and sh- truck them off to New York to I, see I, Broadway I, shows. I, and I don't know how we snuck out to go to, um, oh gosh, where did we go? We went to some outrageous clubs. You were a senior or were you? Yeah, yeah. And we took a bus to New York City. So you were set to go to art school, though, prior to that. Yeah. Where where were you going to go? I actually hadn't decided yet, and there was some kind of summer program I was set to go do, and for whatever reason was not allowed to go. Not allowed to go to art school, but you're, you're okay to go to New York City. I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> go ahead. But, <laughs> so you, you see oh, 42nd see, Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, go ahead, I'm, you go ahead. I'm just excited because I remember the name of the club. Um, we Please. actually went to CBGB's. How oh, did yeah. we get in when I was 18 I years old? And we, well, we saw the the and, and a, Jesus get out of that hole. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did, were the nuns thinking, oh, well, there's the name Jesus. We should go and yes, see a very, that band. Yes, that sacred, blessed CBGB's. <laughs> Wow. Go with our blessings. Be yeah. back by 2 a.m. I don't know how we got away with it. How many? Do you remember how many went to New York? Um, maybe t- maybe 12 of us, I think. <sighs> yeah, they wow. had their hands full. Yeah, they did. So regardless, you see 42nd Street and you're like, oh, I got to be an gosh. actor. Or were you thinking I want to dance and I want to sing and I want to act and I want to do it all on Broadway? Yes, yes, yeah. So then you kind of had to do a little course correct. Um, a little bit. Yeah, because I was I was one of those triple threat kids, but um, big course correct. Um, and then that was a, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, that's another frustrating thing because I was super excited to do that, but was not allowed to go to university outside of Ohio. Luckily, okay, yes, there was um, the um, Wright State University has an incredible theater program in Dayton, Ohio. So. Went there, yeah. Um, got myself kicked out because I did not want to be in Ohio anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Went for two years and ended up in uh, the Goodman School of Drama, which is the theater school in Chicago. And uh, you got a BFA in yes. acting. Yes. 
I have a BFA in acting. Do you? I do. Where are we from? Uh, I went to the Conservatory of Theater Arts at Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri. Awesome. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I No. That's okay. It's a very small, very, very small school. But they had a really great program when I was growing up. And then I I, I just remember talking about St. Louis because I, as soon as I graduated, I went there to um, to Kansas City, Missouri Repertory Theater. Yeah. What did you do there? First, uh, Absent Friends. And then we toured. Toured America. That was an experience. That show? Yeah. How long were you on tour? Oh my gosh, like three or four months. It was crazy. It was amazing. That was my first equity job, yeah. Absent friends at the Missouri Repertory Theater. I've yeah. also worked at the Missouri Rep. Really? Awesome. I have. A couple, a couple times. <laughs> so cool. So, so you wanted to be an actor, but you know what? What brought you to puppetry? Why would you... I mean, did you watch Sesame Street and The Muppet Show as a kid? Oh gosh, yes. Oh were gosh. Were you a fan? Very much. Um, I just didn't connect that it was actually a career. Um, right. Now Sesame Street had just come out when I was little, and we started watching it. I think I was four years old, and um, immediately learned how to read with the help of that. But really remember being, I didn't care for the human beings that talked. I'm like, oh, I want to see the puppets. <laughs> Don't stop the- <laughs> Yeah. Show me the funny, furry, feathery goofballs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, but also the incredibly innovative pieces that Jim was doing. There's one that just keeps yanking at my heart every time I think about it. It was um, a daisy growing out of a brick wall. And I believe Vivaldi was the music behind it, that one of their, his guitar concertos. And it was just so impactful and emotional and beautiful. And basically it ended up being the story of a daisy weeping because it, it was so delicate and beautiful, but it was growing out of a, of a brick wall in a city, inner city, and just so far away from, from nature. I'm not I'm, familiar I'm kind with of, it, but... Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, you could just Google sad flower on Sesame Street. Everybody Google funny. sad flower if you've sad not seen flower. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you didn't think this could be a career, because why would you? It's such a weird job. And I should have connected something. My mom would get on the phone and talk to my younger nieces and nephews, like in Cookie Monster voice, and they totally believed her. <laughs> and, you know, so, I mean, it, it was there. It was happening, but I just didn't didn't connect it. Um, until, actually, it was really, really soon, though. After I graduated um, in Chicago, I, I, got, I got all my union cards pretty much immediately. And then went out there and... Uh, Realized, okay, I'm now also at the age where I'm no longer on my parents' health insurance. So, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I'm union. Got to work. Like gotta now. Work. And I was a hostess at a restaurant, and there were. Where were you living at this time? Right in Hollywood. Oh my God. So you were in LA. Yeah. Drove out. I drove out all by myself. Took four days. And this was after, had you saved money? Was this after you had done that tour of Absent Friends and I'm yeah. guessing other things that you must have done? Yeah, I did the, yeah. After I did the tour, actually the, the last leg of the tour ended up in Los Angeles. And um, there was one friend out there from school who had already moved out. And I met a bunch of people from Second City and they're like, hey, if you, you know, come on back here and you'll get a job here at Second City. I'm like, oh, okay. Um 
So then that's what switched it from Broadway to Los Angeles. It just, everything just kind of seemed to point there. So packed up the yeah. car and drove, drove to Beverly. <laughs> Hills, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're hostessing. Yes. Uh, and you see something. What did you see? I saw a table full of people in Kermit jackets. Hmm. I said, oh. It's odd. Hmm. I walked up to them. I said, you know what? Thank you so much for everything you did. And teaching children, and and you really had an impact on me, and you know the Vivaldi was running in through my mind, and they said, "Oh gosh, thank you so much." Here's our card. If you ever want to come up and meet Jim, call anytime. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> so what did you just say to me? Uh, okay, let me let me think about that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I took the card and put it on my nightstand and thought about that and how unworthy I would be. And three weeks later, he passed away. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was when I said to myself, could you please just never say no to anything? Just, just say yes, just do it. What's the, you know. Yeah, so, what's, the, what's the harm? So what did you do then? What, what well, your... then, a couple weeks after that, there was a small ad in Dramalog, which was back, backstage, basically, um, that said, hey, we're looking for improv performers who want to try puppeteering because there's this new show. And it was Brian um, looking for dinosaur performers oh, for the show Dinosaurs. I see. I said, Wait, before you, before you go to that, I do have a question <laughs> for you. You you mentioned they were looking for improv performers. Were you doing improv? Did you go to Second City? I did. Yes, and they're okay. like, "Hey, cool." So I was I was performing at Second City. Like, did you have to take classes first? And immediately, um, for some reason, no, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was super easy for me. So yeah, I've been doing improv for a super long time. Because that was going to be one of my questions way down the line, Julianne. <laughs> I was going to say like, well, what, where did you start improv Because, you know, it's it's been kind of a through line of yours in your career, I would say. So it, it yes. keep, kind of keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. So, uh, okay. So yeah. back to the audition for Dinosaurs with Brian Henson. He wanted, he wanted improvers and he wanted to teach them how to puppeteer. Yes. I'm sure he was hoping that they already knew how. I went in though, not knowing how. I'd never put in a puppet on my arm in my life. So, but I said, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't, don't say no. Don't say no. Put the puppet on. It, it, I wasn't, you know, horrible, but I didn't know what I was doing. Um, after the audition, put the puppet down, walked up to Brian. I said, you know, my deepest apologies for, <laughs> for being here. Um oh. I, I kind of told him, you know, the story really shortly and just said, th thank you. I, I just wanted to do, to do this and goodbye. He said, no, no, because you were not bad. Uh, especially now knowing that you'd never had one on before. I think I can teach you and, hmm. and let's stay in touch. And, you know, it's like, Ooh, okay. That was awesome. Um, I didn't, I wasn't, Asked to work on the first season of Dinosaurs, I went to do Riders in the Sky, which was a show from the Pee Wee Herman crowd, a puppet show. But that was puppets, and you did that? Yes, that was my first puppet show. Yay! And were they using monitors? Yes. 
Yeah. And in that dinosaurs audition, were you were you put up in front of a monitor? Yes. That was <laughs> I mean, that's ever never having never put on a puppet and then being told to get in front of a monitor and do something is first of all very courageous. And and second <laughs> of all, it's I mean, that's hard. It yes. It well, yes. I I I sound weird about it because it it wasn't hard for me. Um, the 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 monitor thing made total sense. Um, what was hard was the this gigant. I had this gigantic green monster <laughs> <laughs> that was just unwieldy, and I just had no with with a, a live hand, and that was Oof. a whole other thing. But um, yeah, it was weirdly easy. That's I mean that's I mean, you're an anomaly, right? I think that, that's why he. I think kind of that's what Brian said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're an anomaly, yeah. <laughs> but you can be taught. Yes. But then you did do you did do dinosaurs, and you did uh, you didn't do the first season, but you did the other three. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I was brought on to uh, because there was um, a female character starting in season two, Monica Devertebrae. She was. Did the she come blue, through the window? Yeah. I she was the big blue brontosaurus who that's the first uh, dinosaur to be divorced. Really? Yes, she was I the first not, to get a divorce license. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you performed that character. Yes, and that's another thing. I didn't come to dinosaurs to do hand puppets. I was thrown straight to HDPS. So this was like a year or two of like, yeah, baptism by fire, bam, wow. bam, bam. Yeah. So you said HDPS. Can you please just yes. define that? And then also just tell us a little bit what that means for those people that might be hearing this and don't know what the heck that is. That is the Waldo system, and I bet I'm going to say it wrong, and I can't believe it. Um, Henson Digital Performance Studio or System. And I'm confused because we kept calling it different things all the time. <laughs> um, it's one of those two. It, but, it's a, but it's not like your hand is not in a, in a real puppet. It's not right there in, in, your, in your hand. Right. But It is a mechanical device glove that goes over your hand like a puppet um, and has a bunch of like joints. And each joint has a potentiometer on it that you would link to uh, a servo or a movement box in the face of the animatronic head being worn by the um, dinosaur performer. What was cool was I could, or any performer could um, design their own system to, you could put any any movement box on the face onto any joint of your hand that you wanted. So you can move the eyes with your finger or you can move the lips with your finger and design the whole program as you um, as you want, what works best for you. I loved it. Loved it. Um, but I'm, I'm a big tech geek and I just had a, a ball with that. It is different from traditional puppeteering because you're not right there inside a puppet. Right. Right. But you're... Inside something that is connected, yeah, and you still and get you still get the immediate movement across the room of the face. So, and since you would be since you don't watch your own puppet anyway, and you watch a monitor, it didn't feel different because mm. you're watching a monitor with a movement of something you're doing with your body or your hand. So the connection is still there, and that's why it. it it's, yeah, it I flowed. didn't think of that, but you're right. That's true. You're not you're not really aware of what's really going on with your hand. You're just watching the monitor, right? Yeah, and seeing what your hand is doing. Do the thing on the on the screen. Yeah, 
And then inherently, um, the person in the suit generally is watching a little monitor as well inside those big, sometimes inside those big suits. And there's this weird Spock-like Vulcan mind meld (laughs) where, you know, you're all the three, two or three of you are performing this character together and it's really seamless. There's no loss of connection or you just all become this one being that's moving it's It's really cool when it works it's beautiful to watch yeah it's and it looks effortless even though it's there's a lot of concentration a lot of brain work put into it yes and spirit work there's a there's a weird conduit thing happening like in any kind of performance or creation uh, or painting or writing it's that Mm. that that flow thing you click into yeah and to have a team of people all click into the same flow, it's, yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah. With Monica, there was no person inside that puppet, was there? No, that how did was... That, how did she go through the window and... Yeah, she was um, uh, more of a film creature rather than TV, which means she she was you know a, a bundle of cables and big joints and had and kind of took a took a took a different degree of of teamwork. Because one person would have to, she was, I think she was like three or four joints. One person would pull a lever for the top joint. One person would pull a lever. Then there was a big fulcrum to move her like up and down and a big rolling thing to push her into the window and roll her back. And yeah, so she took a lot of time. And time, time yeah. is, is what made her the, a film creature. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have a lot of that on TV. Yeah. So this was kind of your big, this is a big TV show. This was a big primetime sitcom. What was that experience like, being on this primetime show? I was so lucky, first of all, to come out here and, and get a job like that out of nowhere on, on such a progressive and, and affecting show that was written so well. Mm, yes, um, it was. And yeah, I mean, it had such social impact. Um, it was a, it was a dream come true on so many levels, especially the the family aspect of of being with such a loving, kind group of people. And I knew that was magic to come out to this very very frightening town and to land in a such a loving situation. And yeah, that was unique. I, I haven't really experienced. Um, well, no, that's not true because our Muppet stuff is is equally beautiful. But but the main impact was that we knew, you know, um, Jim had just passed and everybody was working really hard to to do this for him, basically, and keep his legacy going. And it was it was really uh, an impactful moment when, um, during the last season, um, and that last show was, uh, was really, really hard to do. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody that hasn't <laughs> seen the show, but it's it is a true. It's an, there are many episodes along the way that even now are very of this time, very prescient now. Yes, yeah, and, like, yeah, and I think it's going to be streaming on I Disney so. Plus pretty soon. That'd be great. That was the news, I think. But yeah, the, yeah, That'd it's be very because it's a great show. So, how long was that period be- be- between moving to LA and then getting? That primetime show. A couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make people really angry. <laughs> Hold on a second, Julianne. It's time for a word from our sponsor. 
right, listen up, team over here. Listen up, listen up. Uh, uh, take a rolly. We've had a long, difficult season full of ups and downs. Am I right? Right, coach. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm talking putting your arm up and bringing it down. Then up, then down. All season long. We're puppeteers, not weightlifters. And those puppets can get heavy. One, two pounds, some of them. True, Dad. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. And look, we all make our own individual mistakes, don't we? Sure do, Coach. Yeah. I don't think I do. Jenkins, remember when you forgot what letter comes after H in the ice cream sketch? I sure do, Coach. I carry that with me every day. Of course you do, Jenkins. And Bennett. Coach. How many times have I had to remind you that we do not double point when right-handing a principal performer? Uh, uh, Yes, I I, I, mean, uh, 67 times, Coach. We're all out there giving our all every day. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, me too, Coach. That's why I... That's why I just gotta bring this up. It's okay, Coach. Yeah. Is he crying? It's vital to the team that we all... Each and every one of us have spatial awareness. Spatial what? Yeah. What is he talking about? That's right. Spatial awareness. Uh, Picture it. You're in a scene. You're on camera. You got your puppet up in the air. You're reading your lines off the monitor. You're looking into the camera. You're doing your little character-y things. Yeah, that's a lot to take in. You said it. Yeah. That's why he's the coach. There's a lot to do in that frame. But what about the others in the scene with you? And I'm not even talking about the puppets in the frame. Yes, you gotta be aware of the composition, true. But you also gotta remember there's a whole lot going on below the frame. Yeah! Yo, that's a catchy title. You got to be aware of the human people around you. Your fellow puppeteers. Make sure your arm doesn't get in their way when they're trying to peek off your monitor. Try not to bump someone in the head with your elbow that's up in the air. Watch your leg. Is it in the way of my fellow puppeteer's monitor? And don't let go of your arm rod without a plan, or it'll swing and hit someone in the eye for Pete's sake. That's true. Thank you, Pete. It's just common sense. Be aware of those fellow performers around you, because we're all part of the same team. Am I right? All right. Yeah. All right. Tell right. it like it is. Now, get out there and have some spatial awareness. Who's with me? Oh, actually, Coach, we're done shooting for the day. Yeah. We're headed home. What? Oh, right. Well, uh, uh, spatial awareness uh, tomorrow, then? Spatial awareness. Yeah. I'm shouting. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Spatial awareness. Hmm. Spatial awareness. It's another thing you need to think about. That's right. Today's episode of Below the Frame is brought to you by Spatial Awareness. Now, hang on. Yes? Hey, Dad, are you busy? Yeah, come on in, Jack. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm recording my podcast. Do you need something? Oh, no, I'm fine. I was just hearing a lot of noise outside the room, so I was wondering what it was. That was just the fake ad. Ah, fake ad. Got it. Do you want to know what the fake ad is about today? Sure. Well, it's Spatial Awareness. Stop staring at me. Uh, It's really just a fancy way to say, pay attention to the world around you. When you're puppeteering on a monitor, it can be so easy to just, you know, be focused on that monitor and your character on it. And and you're so focused that you don't notice anything else around you. And when you aren't aware 
of the performers around you, even even just the the physical, real, three dimensional world, you can get a little lost, and um, things happen. Things like your arm or your leg gets in the way of somebody else, and they can't see their monitor. Or and this this happens. Somebody gets an arm rod in the eye, and that hurts. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of common courtesy. Uh, among the Muppet performers, to be aware of everything around us. So have some spatial awareness. I I know it sounds a little silly, but knowing this little piece of information can come in handy when you're working with others, whether it's uh, in television puppetry or anywhere. And I'd like to thank Spatial Awareness for being a sponsor of Below the Frame. Okay, I'm really pressed for time. I've got an important business meeting to get to. (laughs) You don't have a job. It's a meeting about getting a job. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Jack. Bye. One, two, three, four. Go, 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 below the frame. Before the break, we were talking with Julianne Busher about getting cast on Dinosaurs only a couple of months after moving to Hollywood. That doesn't really happen well, that often. Don't That's get very too in- angry because, part, you know, fate, <laughs> fate and um, destiny, you know, because the reason I... I um, was working so hard to find work um, was because my family and the town I come from is just riddled with cancer. Mm. And I knew that I was, I knew that I had to do something to get, like I was saying, you know, I had just come off of my parents' health insurance and knew I had to do something to make sure that I still had it because just to be ready, um, because I knew it was coming just from the pattern of my family, um, family history, with especially with my grandmother and my mom, um, who had their cancer very early. So, um, so yeah, so though I got the job right away, right after the job was over, is I got sick. I got cancer, so. Um, and how did don't you Don't get do- mad, everything falls yeah, in place. Yeah, don't get guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a, that's a huge gut punch even though like you say you were kind of i was i was prepared in a, in a multi, in in a lot of ways i mean another beautiful thing to is about having um a family that goes through that over and over and over i think i have 12 or maybe 14 family members now is that that is that becomes life oh okay this is this is life people go through this people get you know and and you're you have a strange preparation for it um, How did you deal with it? Um, well, since it was just, since it was like, yeah, my family gets, some families get their teeth pulled, some families get cancer. Some, you know, I, I just, it's like, oh, okay. Um, it was very familiar. Um, the only thing is, what was new was, I, I was the first one to have to take really super aggressive chemotherapy because I was so young. So I was bald at 30 um, and also had both breasts and both ovaries removed. So I couldn't have children anymore. So that, and I was still single. Um, So it was just like another tweak in the plan of, okay, puppets are on hold for a little bit because I can't put my arms up Mm. and I'm bald. So on cameras on hold for a little bit. So that's when voiceover started. And you have done a ton of voiceover work. <laughs> yeah. 
you've done video games. Name 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 a couple of video games that you've done that you're featured in prominently. Um, Elder Scrolls is my favorite. Um, Starcraft mm-hmm. two, um, bunch of the Star Wars games. Yeah, I really I, I really enjoy voiceover. Are you also a gamer? Do you play video games? Yes, love you, it. Really? And how weird? I didn't know that. Yes, yes, I love it. Um, you know, it's a part of the whole tech thing. But how yeah. weird to like play a game and listen to yourself and then kill yourself and then yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, very That's weird. That's pretty cool. Uh, and you're you've done stuff for you've done voiceover stuff for Disneyland. Have you done it yeah. for all the parks? Have you done it for um, every park or just Disneyland? I'm assuming they they utilize it in all the parks. You know, you record one think. and then it kind of gets yeah. But um, my, my super Where, favorite was um, doing stuff for the. Um, Black Spire Outpost for Star Wars Land. Oh, yeah, yes. So if we go there now, what would we hear you? Can what? What do we hear you saying? Do you remember something or or like where it is? It's so random, and you would not recognize me. So Have you just, been there and gone? That's me. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. Especially waiting in line um for the oh no, I'm gonna forget what it's called. That the ride, the latest ride that just opened in like February or. Oh, uh, the uh, rise of the uh, resistance. Yes, yes, the resistance. Yes. The, yeah, that, that big wait in line. You can, you can hear me yeah, doing stuff. and That's so, so cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, what and I'm, I'm Daisy Ridley's voice match. Oh, um, this is, you know, this is a question here. Why, okay, I can understand maybe in the park you, you might need a voice match. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but oh, you need voice matches for all kinds of things. Like when movies have are, you know, Played on airplanes, they have to take out all the swear words and do all this stuff and clean them. And we come in and put in the clean words. So I do have a question about that. Then what swear words did Joan Cusack say in Chicken Little? (laughs) (laughs) Why did we? Why did I have to do? Sometimes it's just a line change because they are gone already on their next movie. And it's just too expensive to bring them back to to say hi, Charlie, or you know whatever. <laughs> right. So yeah, well, that's a very unusual skill. Yeah, it is. Isn't I it? would yeah. say so. Daisy Ridley. I, uh, there's oh, a bunch of different ones, but Jay- Joan Cusack, Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie, Halle Jody Berry, Foster, Foster, Halle Berry. Oh, do you know yeah. Halle Berry story of mine? Uh, um, no. I, my yeah, this is so weird. So I went to do Catwoman and called my mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I did. Halle Berry's whole movie, Catwoman. And she goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, Halle Berry. You know, her mother, when I was a cheerleader, Halle Berry's mother was a cheerleader across town, and we cheered against each other at a football game. (laughs) What? Huh? (laughs) What? Isn't that weird? Yeah. How is that even possible? I don't know. They were rival cheerleaders. Halle Berry's mom and, and... my mom in our hometown. What? That's a that's a weird connection. That's one of those weird things. Did I say it was Halle Berry's mom or did I say it was Halle Berry? Halle Berry's mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did I say it was Halle Berry? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> It's just such a weird story. No, it's very odd that that just happened. That's And yeah, that that just popped into your mom's <laughs> mind. Right? Uh, She's you, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, when you were rivals. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> what do you like about voiceover acting? I like that um, 
I it, it I can just do creatures and any person of any age or, or I, it's limitless. Limitless. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say that about puppetry too. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but you can, can you don't have to have your shoulders and hips replaced doing voiceover. That's but true. <laughs> That is true. You're right. <laughs> so Which I haven't had to have yet, but. That's good. Well, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so you did Sesame Street too for a few seasons. I did. I did. I'm, I'm sad about it a little bit because that was, I just started and then that's, I got sick and I couldn't come back. Um, but yeah, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Do you remember the, your, your time on Sesame Street? What was your first day like? My first day. My first day, I went, <laughs> I was looking around and saw Snuffleupagus hanging from the ceiling in storage, <laughs> and I was horrified. <laughs> and yeah. Big Bird scared me. He's big. He is a big bird. It took a little he- bit. I, I, there were some tears, and he was very big, and I remember... When I was little, he he they were they came to Cleveland for some reason, and I remember meeting him and being terrified. I, I was at the. TV uh, I mean, it's studio. overwhelming. You know, they're small when they're on your TV. You yeah. know, to a kid, you know, you that's how they're little, and then when you see them in real life, uh, even as an adult, it, it took a little bit. But he, he gave me a, one of his feathers, and then everything was okay. Ah. Uh, but And you were friends. We were friends. <laughs> Everybody was friends. I, and my favorite was Jerry Nelson, absolutely, 100%. Um, what, was, what was it about Jerry that you were drawn to? Um, he, he was a, a bit more quiet and introspective the way I was. So, you know, we could just kind of hang out and... Um, talk about music, and he um, he said, you know, he used to go to the jazz club, uh, baked potato here in L.A. when he would come out, and he said, just just go there and wear the Kermit jacket, say my name, and you know, and then we would go there sometimes. But there's just something about him, his, his caring and his support. Um, yeah, he was a he was a unique a unique guy, yeah. and the coolest the coolest guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he knew I was a little different, you know, with all the science and the tech and being quiet. And he was just so supportive of that. Hmm. Um, you did a lot of roles on Sesame Street when you were there. You played Sherry Netherland. Sherry Netherland. Yes. Yeah, and, and for old school watchers of Sesame Street, she was the owner of the Furry Arms the Furry Hotel. Furry Arms, yep. I was like, oh, I saw, they sent me a, a picture of her. I was like, oh my God, that's. I'm going to Margaret Dumont this up. That's who she is. You know, she's just going to try to keep it together and the, all the idiots are coming in. And it, yeah, just, yeah. And so, the, so yeah, let's talk about that. You, to, to play her, because you were the first to play Sherry. Yes. And um, so they sent you a picture, you said, and you were just looking at the picture and it was kind of feeding you what you thought she was going to. Oh yeah, I love the Margaret Dumont. That's oh hilarious. yeah, well because you know she's in a hotel and it's like oh yeah, that's yeah. But, uh, we have. And to. can you talk about that character just a little bit? What what um, what were you able to do with it? That you did you find anything new in your skill set that you were able to do with that character that maybe you hadn't done before? Um, 
Well, gosh, I mean, that, I guess that was Sesame Street was really the, when was that? I think that was the first time I really got to do a, a character. Um, like like full length like that, you know, and really develop it. So there was that for sure. And being able to, you know, collaborate and say, you know, how much am I allowed to add? How What's she allowed to say? And learning about the, the children's uh, educational situation as opposed to dinosaurs, which was a whole other thing. Yeah, right? so. you're going from a comedy, just a sitcom, to a show that has a lot of curriculum-based mm-hmm. information that you're trying to get out. And, you know, there's a little little line, fine line you can walk that yeah. can change things. But then some things are like, uh, please don't change that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and the interesting yeah. stories, when, when Frank was there doing some of the interstitial days, telling me a story about, um, let me see, he he was actually taken in to the office, taken into the office at Sesame oh, Street when, no. when, he started, <laughs> when he started doing um, Cookie Monster, you know. And and they're like, you know, Frank, I don't know about this whole me want, you know, you're, you're just not speaking correctly mm-hmm. and you're going to affect some kids and we're a little worried about that. And he's like, I promise you, everyone, there is no child that's going to go to law school, pass the bar, open their office and bring someone in and say to a client, me want to represent you. Uh, That's hilarious. I've never heard that story, but I love it. That's so great. Yes. Uh, That's great. And very true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But but I I understand it is a fine line and you know It is. Yeah. Yeah. Did while you were on Sesame Street, do you have any any favorite sketches that you got to to do that you can remember? Oh gosh, so many. Um I loved being Blecka, the the little baby girl grouch. She had she her favorite things were shakes, sardine shakes. Ugh. Sardines and ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Just all of it. It was just lovely. Um, I'm, I'm being all nostalgic right now. I'm like all sad that I, I got sick at that time uh, and couldn't come back. So what did you do then? You dealt with being sick. Yes. You got better. Yes. And then um, what did you do? Then what happened? Then what happened? Then what happened? Hmm. I made a film about my experience. You did a documentary? My, my very first, uh, it was a 70 millimeter, 20, 20 minute film. It was right before all the digital stuff happened. So I spent a ridiculous amount of money on a 20 minute film. But that one, you know, did the festival circuit that did really well. What happened after that? Just kept You're going. You're doing some voiceover stuff. Yeah. More puppet stuff. Um, More puppet oh, stuff. that's that's when that's when Puppet Up started. That's when it was. So uh, two thousand. Well, it was it was kind ish. of after. The, yeah, I mean, we did. A lot, there was a lot of HDPS and. Okay, so here's here's of, what I'm going to ask you. You because you've done uh, so many things, Julianne, that it's so hard to like, you it's, know, it's, find a through line. It's you've done so much. So I'm going to name something. Okay. That you performed in. Okay. And just throw out something that you remember about the experience, all right? Okay. Does that sound like... Okay, here we go. The first one is The Indian in the Cupboard, directed by Frank Oz. Oh! <laughs> Bless his heart. He was so awesome to bring me in to do a rat for one day. It was just a rat jumping out of a hole. Yeah. And that was it. And it was awesome. <laughs> okay. The Country Bears. Uh, okay. I loved... Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, love hate on the country bears. Um, 
So what's the love-hate? Love, because that head that was built by John Criswell for My Bear, I Play Tennessee, was beautiful, beautiful. The lip movement, uh, the facial expressions that I was able to get out of that bear. Uh, it was That was another HTPS animatronic head situation. That was gorgeous. Um, I'm just geeking out. It was just no, please. stunning. He's, he's a genius. Geek away. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Hate relationship was that for whatever reason, we were taking, we were all taken into a trailer and told, you know, you're just, you're just like uh, animal trainers. You're not really performers. And that's how you're going to be treated. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Great. Yeah. So that, but it was okay because it was all, you know, dinosaur people and we all loved you were each working other with and, people you knew. And yeah. so that makes it a little easier. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's just a suit talking. We all love each other. We'll just keep going. Right. Um, okay, here's another but one. But that was... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That was like the first attempt to do one of the um, Disneyland rides as a movie. And then Pirates was after that, and that did really well. But Country Bears, not so much. But that's okay. Still cool. Right? It was... Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's one. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yay! Forgetting Sarah Marshall! <laughs> that was awesome. I, I was the angel in the Dracula musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was... Awesome. Oh my God, we had so much fun. It was extra fun because he was so excited, Jason Siegel, about about this Dracula musical. It was like a dream come true for him and to have it come to life and to have us be a part of it. And it was it was hilarious. Yeah, he kind of becomes a little kid. He totally in did. In those moments, doesn't he? He did that on the Muppets. Did he? First Muppets. Yes, he became a kid. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. That's he was great. so enamored of them, and it's really nice to see somebody just like become a kid again and just live in that for a little while. Yeah, that's really what else. these puppets do to everybody. They do. That's what's so magical about it. Even if it's even if it's a puppet in a Dracula musical. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Saying I'm pregnant. Yes. <laughs> Here's another one. Sid the Science Kid. Sid the Science Kid. Yeah. You're, you're one of the main kids. You were I, May, right? Oh, I love May so much. I was so happy. To be presenting like a little introvert, nerdy, probably autistic, which is why I love her even more. You know, representing the the, the kids out there like like her. Yeah. Um, yeah, loved her so much. And grandma, feisty, <laughs> crazy grandma. It's fun when you can dig in on those roles that are, you know, really character roles like grandma. And then do something a little just more more centered. A more centered kind of role that that's that's not as wacky. Yes, yeah, more vulnerable. I love the side characters more than like being the main lead. Um, it's more fruitful. It's more interesting. And a lot um, of times you get a lot of good, real good stuff to do to play with. Because mm-hmm, nobody's watching you. So. <laughs> that's true. Uh, you were on Community. There were some puppets yes! on Community. Yes, that was awesome. I was the puppet version of Shirley. Yeah, that was exciting. They were yeah. they were super excited too, just to see to see yourself as a puppet. You know? I know that would be so cool. Have you ever had a puppet version of you made? Um, no. Although Denise, me either. <laughs> the Denise pig in um with the glasses was not too far off. That was interesting. Okay. I was I was okay. told that was a little homage, but all right. I don't know if that's true, but. Uh, all right. uh, the 53rd Annual Grammy Awards. With CeeLo Green, yay! <laughs> Piddles is the Pug. 
Yeah, with the with Piddles the Pug. Now, uh, tell me about this Piddles the Pug. This hey is there. a character that you played in uh, on the uh, Stuffed and Unstrung Pop It Up. Up It show. Up, yes. Right. Um, yes. Well, I was with the original group of Pop It Up, and it was a really super magical time because um, what happened was Disney had just purchased the Muppets, so we had been playing with this huge bank of puppets that were now suddenly thrown in a box and sent over to Disney. So we had no more puppets to play with. Um, mm. But we did have a room full of whatnot pieces from Dr. Seuss. So I was invited to design a bunch of puppets, and the ones that were selected I was able to go and build from the, from the pieces in, in the, the barn. And Wait, um, You drew what you wanted to do? You drew it? I drew. I got to draw. Yeah, yeah. You got to do something that you did when you were a kid. I love that. Then you got to then create something. Like your mom would create costumes for you. You were. How did you know how to make the puppet? Jane Gutnick just watched her. I just just watch. I'm one of those ones that I watch. I'm quiet. I watch. And then I am able to do it. That's pretty cool. Right? But Piddles was one of my designs. And I was like, oh, gosh. What do I? Hey, Jane, do we have a? A pug around, you know. I drew a pug with a diaper. I'm like, this is freaking hilarious. <laughs> and she said, "Oh my gosh, we've got the Dog City pug." So threw a diaper on her and him, her. <laughs> oh, and uh, you got to do that in. So you did that on the on the Grammys, but then you know yes. you were saying it's part of pup. That character is part of Puppet Up, which is yes. this adult improv show. With Super puppets adult. that was, yes, yeah. it was created by Brian Henson yep. and Patrick Bristow from yeah. the Groundlings. He's a the, that's the Groundlings is a that well known and famous improv group. He was kind of the host, the moderator. He kept the show running. Mm-hmm. So you came to this as an experienced improviser. Yes. Did everybody come to this experience as an experienced improviser? Mm, some at different degrees. Um, yeah, and the, and the beautiful thing at the first was since it was all Henson. Performers, there was that beautiful Muppety Henson energy and Muppety Henson sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, originally it was puppeteers who were the improvisers. Right? Yeah, yeah, and that's and, a and whole different world. And yeah, that beautiful light, and and again, us all knowing each other and just laughing endlessly. And yeah, and then as the as the shows kind of did different iterations, uh, and lately in the past couple of years, I think they've trained improvisers. Mm-hmm. to be puppeteers. Were you around and, for any of that stuff? Yeah, a little bit. I think that's when I started to um, set my sights elsewhere. Um, I'm not a big fan of cruel humor. And sometimes some of the other schools of, of improv um, outside of Second City can can get a little mean, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of that. So. Well, you know, the thing I was thinking, and I hear that, I understand that. You know, it's hard enough to learn one of these skills, puppeteering or or <laughs> improvising and being good at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so having to learn, you know, either being a puppeteer and having to learn improvisation or being an improviser and having to learn puppetry. I mean, <laughs> which one do you think is harder, being the puppeteer learning to improvise or being the improviser learning to puppeteer? I think it's the improviser learning to puppeteer. I think they have some... They found some great people that are improvisers that came out of it that are now puppeteers as oh, well. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
It took a but long, I think it's that's hard. been it, years for yeah, them yeah. learning. It takes, just like it takes years to learn, even if you're just going to be a puppeteer, it takes li- years yeah. to actually just learn the skill and the movements and, and the subtle head tilts and things that you can mm-hmm. do and working on a monitor, except for you, Julianne, who didn't have any problems. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> it ha- I, I've heard of that happening a couple of times. I have. And, and that's but tricky too. It's like, well, are the improv actors learning the puppeteer? Do they also have dance? Did they also have movement? Did they also have actual acting, which is different than improv? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Have they had physical training in other forms? Did you do karate? Did you do, do you know your body? Are you connected? Yeah. And can you yeah. translate it up through into your arm? Can yeah. you get something to come out and it still be funny? Yeah. Uh, any, any experiences from that time with Puppet Up that, that, uh, that jump out at you that you'd like to share? Just how much I love improv. Um, I especially love singing song improv. It's super easy for me. Um, hmm. Like calling out a, a song style a music style and uh, improvising a song. Oh my God, that's the most fun. And did you do that with Puppet Up? Yeah, we had an amazing music director, Willie Etra. Mm-hmm. From here, we're very lucky to have him. Oh my gosh, yeah. And he could just play anything. Yep. So that was a whole difference. other skill. And he could, yeah, the way he was following us and yeah. That was another, that's another one of those Vulcan mind melds, you know? Yeah. Just, you kind of know where he's going. He knows where you're going, and you yeah. just somehow you end beautifully on this <laughs> improvisational yeah. musical number. Oh my! Amazing. God. Yeah, yeah, I saw the show a couple of times, and it, it's just amazing to watch really skilled performers do this really cool thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's so, another thing too. If if you really don't know <laughs> how to puppeteer, and you're trying to do improv and run around a stage in your gigantic boots. Somebody could get killed. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. People could lose their life. <laughs> Jeez. We'll be back with more from Julianne Busher in a moment. But first, we're going to ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask a puppeteer about not puppets. On today's Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets, we asked Jennifer Barnhart a question about, well, not puppets. All right, Jen Barnhart, streaming or live TV? Oh, wow. Uh, live TV. I just, I like live events. Um, also, I'm, I'm so fickle. I'm so fickle when it comes to streaming. I, I binge for a season and mm-hmm. then I never go back to it. You get bored? And it's awful. I get, I, I, I get distracted. Okay. I get distracted. I get restless. Uh, first of all, I'm really not a good consumer of any kind of television anyway <laughs> I, i'm really really not uh-huh. uh i i i always feel like there's too many other things to do i like I'm, that though that's good you don't you know you're out yeah. there creating the art you don't need to watch it <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so embarrassing people be like hey, oh have you seen have you i haven't seen any of these things yet it's embarrassing no, it's, it's not embarrassing. Bad. No, you're you're And it's you're, not out of any desire to be like, oh, I can't bear to watch my work. Heavens. I don't do any of that. And in fact, I often will tell uh, performers, puppeteers, and otherwise, listen, it's good to watch your own work because yeah. it's painful, but that's how you learn and that's how you get that's better. How you learn. Yeah. But I but generally I don't watch things I've done or that anyone else has done. <laughs> <laughs> that's the puppeteer about my puppets. 
We are back with Julianne Busher. Julianne, over the years, you have done a lot with the Muppets. Yay! You were in Muppet Classic Theater, which is like uh, way 1994. back. You were in the Kokomo music video. Yay! <laughs> yes. You were at, was it Muppet Fest in 2001 when, when they did the Muppet Show Live? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Muppets Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah. Uh, outside Lands with the Electric Mayhem. I mean, a bunch of stuff, right? Oh, I'm sure there's more things lands, too. Oh my God, yes. Wasn't that fun? Yes. And uh, you, you currently play Yolanda. The Rat, who, now that was a role that was originally in Muppets Take Manhattan and performed by Karen Prell. Yes. And then, then Camille Benora night. played Yolanda for a home video. Okay. And then you <laughs> played Yolanda for Muppet Classic Theater. And then Alice played yes. Yolanda for Muppets Kitchen with Cat Cora. And then you, again, for ABC Muppet Series. <laughs> yes. So why so many performers? For- no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's my real question is? Uh, tell me about Yolanda. Who who is she to Yolanda. you, Yolanda? Because you're the one who's played her the most and the longest, and had the most she, material, really. Well, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that bit in 1994 for Muppets Theater Classic Theater. That was that was her first gigantic bit. I think she was in that whole show. Um, well, I I mean, of course, I had to honor what was done before and realize that she was a feisty little New York rat. And there's a thing going on with Rizzo. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and on the ABC Muppets, Yolanda was cast as Kermit's assistant. Yes. <laughs> she, she had her own human-sized desk yep. right outside Kermit's office, right? Yep. Had so, to hop up on that desk chair and, yeah. <laughs> we got back there a couple times. I helped you with Yolanda or something, I feel like, a few times. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about that show for a minute, the ABC Muppet Show. It was a primetime series. Yay. An- another one yes. for you. Yes. And and not only did you play Yolanda, you played Kermit's love interest, uh, Denise, that we Yay. talked about a little bit earlier. Woo-hoo. Um tell me about tell me about yeah, tell me about Denise. <laughs> what do you what do you what do you remember about the experience of of playing Denise? Um, very controversial character. Yeah, and a lot of the controversy from well, per- personal controversy was, is she going to be mean to Kermit? Because I don't know if I can handle that. So there was a lot of massaging and trying to figure out how, how we're going to operate her and what does she mean? Is she, is she a, you know, a gold digger or, you know, what is she exactly? And um, I just didn't feel right because Kermit wouldn't go, go for that either. So, right. um, which is kind of what the whole series was about was how, how mean is okay with the Muppets and, you know. So we were just always yeah. walking on eggshells and trying to figure it out. We really out. were, yeah. And, and not just with Denise, but, just, you know, Kermit and Piggy's relationship and yeah. everybody's relationship, really. How it, it, What's interesting about that show to me was that the Muppets are a c- group of characters that love each other. Yeah. And they just, they, they lift each other up. And yeah. they're the underdogs, and they do that. They lift each other up. And when you put them in this kind of situation, this sitcom situation, with with, it's a teardown situation. And it is. It's yeah. like it's almost a lot of jabbing and insulting for laughs. Yeah. And I mean, we had great scripts and really good writing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we got to really dig in and play some fun parts and and great storylines and yes. And that's when Uncle Deadly kind of blossomed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and and so I had a great time doing the show. Uh, but I do kind of acknowledge, oh, maybe that wasn't the right tone. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it didn't and, have the right tone. Yeah. 
And Denise suffered for that, um, um, especially at the end. You know, to watch a Muppet, you know, become a Muppet is just part of the family as soon as they're born. Um, yeah. But to know that because she was like a, a love interest, that she's not going to return. You know, it's like, oh, that's. I know. Because everybody loves her. You know, all the other Muppets love her. It's it's awkward. But overall, I would say for us as the performers, it was a great experience. We had a fun oh, gosh, time yes. working on that show. And it really, it just was cool to be on a primetime series. Oh, it was exciting. It was amazing. You know? Yes. So lucky. So yeah. And the, the guests were amazing. They were. Um, Who was your favorite guest? Did you have a favorite guest on that show? Willie Nelson. Oh, I was going to say Willie oh, Nelson. My, <laughs> my dad loved Willie Nelson. Oh. And I was just looking at some pictures earlier, you know, because uh, you were, I think you were assisting me. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a picture of of us with Willie Nelson sitting on the hospital bed playing, and and we're there, and it's either before we start rolling or something. But you're sitting in front of the monitor, looking at Willie Nelson. <laughs> I'm sure you're looking at Willie Nelson, and you're just your hands are like up by your chin, and you just like have this big smile on your face. It's so cute. And it's and you know you're right. Having those people like Willie Nelson on the show. Oh my gosh! Yep. So much fun. Yeah. Just a little um, trivia thing of of that hospital scene was uh, my mom had just passed, and I was actually in another shot. I was helping. Janice was was kind of comforting an older woman in a bed um, while Willie Nelson was playing the guitar, and I was operating her arm, you know, stroking the old woman, stroking her hand. And I was like, "Oh God, this woman looks exactly like my mom going in, in hospice." So I broke. I was weeping while we were shooting and like not making a noise, but like comforting the woman and weeping. And you know, it was- oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I do have a question for you. Yes. What do you think that you bring to the table? Gosh, um, well, somebody just wrote me something lovely on on um, Instagram, saying something that I, you know, it's good to see. You doing Beverly Plume because she's really what did she what did they say? You're able to honor the 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 integrity of the the Muppet style. Somehow you you understand the Muppet style and you brought it to this new character and and that's what's so exciting. Um, I like that. Yes. Yeah, but so what I, do you think? <laughs> um, You're not going to get away from it that easily. I, I no. Um, <laughs> I have thoughts. If you don't know, I do. I think I know what it is. Uh, okay. I, I, no, but, but you say, what do you think? Well, what do you think you bring to the table? Um, you know. Being able to sing, being able to, uh, or the, just the 30 years of experience, um, uh, having a, a, a bank of character voices. Um, yep. I guess that's it. It's, there's more than that. I think it's your sharp wit. I think you're you're very funny. I think that it's your skills as an improviser and as a puppeteer. I think that you mesh well with the group. Uh, there are probably many other things. I think it's all of those things and everything that you said too. And even that thing that the person said on Instagram. <laughs> it's all of those things. Awesome. You know, Thanks. You're one of the, you know, you're one of the Muppet performers. Yay. Thank you. you know. And being one of those Muppet performers, you got to do the Muppets Take the Bowl. And the oh Muppets Take God. the O2 shows. We got oh to do those God. shows together, remember? remember? Do you remember those shows? Do I, rem- <laughs> I remember those shows every day. That's why I have the poster up yeah. on my wall. That was the most... I'm crying. That was the most 
beautiful experience, um, especially every night after, um, at the end, for the whole audience to sing Rainbow Connection with Kermit. Just beautiful. Yeah, it was an amazing thing to bring this much happiness and joy to people. And that came right back at us on the stage. Yeah, because we've never been in a position to feel that. To really, no, we we understand like it, we know it, but to feel it back like that at such yeah. a huge level, yeah, just, yeah, I'll never forget that. I remember you got to do uh, Wayne and Wanda. You got to do oh Wayne and Wanda. Oh my bit. gosh! <laughs> it did have a, it was a runner, wasn't it? Weren't there? Was it two or three times that you came back? Yes, two times maybe. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times during the show. Yeah, and each one there was a shark in one that, that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> devoured you. That was great, and th- that meant a huge amount to me because that. I love Yolanda, but Wanda is one of the classic characters from the original Muppet show. So that was like, okay, that's super special. Yep. Yeah. And I remember you got to help me with Floyd in the Electric Mayhem set. Oh, my God. (laughs) You played Floyd's bass for me. Because I couldn't do it. I had to hold the puppet up. (laughs) I love playing the bass with Floyd. I love that. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you for letting me do that. Because, yeah. Oh, man. To be in a rock group and rock out with you guys and... I know. It's fun to pretend you're in a rock band, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. that it felt like that at Outside Lands. It did. It that, was uh, right. such a... This kind of goes back to what you were saying about you know being able to play any kind of character or that yeah. can do anything. We, we got to be in a rock band. We're, we're in a rock band. Right? Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. did a concert at a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was a little nervous because I didn't know if anybody was going to show up. And then <laughs> I heard that people were running... <laughs> <laughs> running to get to the stage. And then when we looked out, it was filled. I don't know how many people were there. 25,000 people? I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I've heard numbers. Like, yeah. and It was such a cool experience. Yeah. And the the typical concert thing with the balls going, you know, back yeah. the big posters of the characters. And yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it was, was, it was cool. a pretty cool experience. It was great. Uh, and I hope we get to do those again. Doing it for Hollywood Bowl and then going over to London and doing the show again. And right, uh, yeah, that's it. Was a blast. Uh, uh, Muppets Now, Muppets you mentioned now. Beverly Plume just a minute ago, but I, all episodes are currently streaming on Disney Plus. Yes, and you play, like you said, Beverly Plume. She's kind of a nervous, <laughs> excitable, yes, uh, turkey, but she runs the show on Okie Dokie Cooking with the Swedish Chef. She tries really hard. She tr- she does try <laughs> to work. She has a better she has better luck with the guest chef. Yes. Than she does with uh, Swedish chef. That's no surprise. Yes, as long as but she's can, not trying to fall in love with them like Roy Choi. That's right. She's got to calm down a little bit. You know, but she, yeah, that's what I say. She's excitable. But can you tell me about the creation of that character? Do you have an inspiration for her that you draw from? Um, one of them is there is. Um, a British cooking show, and I apologize, I can't think of her name. That was part of it. Then Julia Child was another addition to that character. Um, Pot, the character Stu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, she's a little bit like um, Sherry Netherland too. I brought that, brought her back a little bit because I've got, I've got that character who yeah. is also a little bit like Grandma in Sid the Science Kid too. I mean, you know. I love that you can take just you, little pieces and go, all right, it's that, and just <laughs> shove them all together and then. But you also had these core characters 
I think everybody has these core characters from like relatives and stuff like that that just live with you that just kind of keep getting peppered mm-hmm. through, you know, new yeah. characters throughout your life. Anything you remember from how that shoot went for for Okie Dokie Cooking? That was so fun. Boy, we we really had to do a lot in just a few days. So that was just uh, that was a really really hard work. Well, I, yeah, that was the thing was like I was in all the shots, so I didn't really break much, you know. Yeah, there was not a lot of break. So so just for people watching, I don't remember how many cameras we had. We had I we had at least two. Yeah. Maybe even one, two, maybe even three. Yeah. But normally... I remember all the split screens on the monitors. It was like, God, which one do you watch? Yeah, that was a little... That's right. So we we look at, we were watching the cameras. You know, we talk about working on monitors and looking off a monitor and knowing how to play uh, off a monitor. But when you have not only the wide shot that you're seeing, but then also like a two shot of your character, Beverly Plume and, you know, um, and Danny Trejo, and then you have another camera that has, you know, a two shot of the Swedish Chef and Beverly Plume, and you got to watch kind of all three of those at one time so that they all look good mm-hmm. and on every it's monitor. Not possible, yeah. Sometimes it's not possible. Yeah. And then we just hope that in editing we can look at it and go, please don't use that shot. <laughs> <laughs> that one doesn't look right. Uh, yeah, because yeah, your hair, you know, your human hair is in one. Mm-hmm. But you're trying. When you try to move it out of that one, it's in the other shot. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's a it's a tricky it's a tr- it's a tricky thing to make that magic trick work when you're you when yeah. you're looking at more than yeah. one camera at a time, more than one shot. But I think you're I think you're hilarious and in it. And great. Uh, oh, I love this show. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it looks great. And you also played Beak R Beak Beak R Beak R, which is really funny. Oh yeah. Too. It's, trivia on that. That was not. That was. How I spoke. They didn't do anything. The only filter they put on was like, it sounds like it's coming out of a phone. I was going to ask, first of all, I know that you can do that voice. I know that you can do that. Let me just say a little something to me. I'm so happy that you asked me to come on your show. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's so, because you can, it feels like it's being put together in a computer. The words, the (laughs) syllables. (laughs) <laughs> and the inflections. It's so great. Um, it's kind of your best Alexa slash Siri voice, I guess. <laughs> it's so funny. Especially when you have it up against David's Beaker and Dave's Munson. <laughs> it's just three idiots. <laughs> uh, but now, how did we shoot that? Because I don't remember. You were there on set. No, not for that. Not? I, didn't, I didn't have to be. I just did ADR'd it. After. You just ADR'd it. Because I couldn't remember how we did it. And I didn't remember seeing you. I was like, well, I guess she could have been there and I just didn't see her. No. So you went back through and you ADR'd everything. Mm-hmm. It's so great. <laughs> it's really good. Julianne, I have a question about character. Yes. Creating a character. So... Mm. We've talked about voiceover roles. We've talked about an acting acting roles. We've talked about puppeteering roles. What do you think are the most important things to you when you're creating a character? Mm, um, if it's a character for a show, I really need to see a picture of it before I can like come up with a voice or or some kind of. It's really important to be able to do that. I mean, what's happening is with all these NDAs and things. Um, 
Like with animation, they can't really send pictures of the characters anymore. It's like, oh my oh. god, that, you have to be able to. So how do you do it? Do you just throw a bunch of voices at a wall and hope one of them sticks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard because that is hard. You know, like seeing that picture of um, Sherry Netherland, you know, with her hair up and the pearls and the cat eye glasses. You know what's coming. I mean, I, I mean, it's it gets more n- narrowed down. Yeah, boy, it's hard. So a visual is is important to you. Yeah. And if you don't have the visual, then I I go with, you know, from my past, relatives, people I've met. I do a lot of people watching. Um, I'm 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 the big nerd with the sketchbook at the zoo, you know, <laughs> writing things down and you know, <laughs> drawing people. And um, so there's that. Yeah. I got like a character book. But again, you know, just going through the character book, you can't really just like rip a page out and throw it on a a character in a show because who knows what the creator, the writer was thinking. So in the, in the best world, it's working with the writer and being able to talk to them and say, well, you know, what's the concept? How do they work with the other characters? So that kind of a collaboration, trying yeah. to figure out what it is together. Yeah. I think that's important. And, and then valuable. who are they going to be in the scene with? Because that was another thing with Beverly Plume. It's like, oh, okay, it's Swedish chef. So how do you, <laughs> you know, create a balance or and a, a match to his energy. You know, since I've known you, Julianne, you always are doing something different that you're interested in. <laughs> not, you know, that's not in the world of voiceover and it's not in the world of acting and it's not in the world of Muppets and it's something very different. And when we were doing the ABC Muppet show, I think is when it was, maybe it was when the Muppets take the, the bowl. Oh. I think maybe it was then. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were very excited very excited because you got to take a. You were going to take a class. <laughs> Can you tell me and the people listening to this podcast what that <laughs> class was? I took a class in anatomical dissection with untreated bodies, where I was actually um, part of the team that was dissecting the body over six days, and it was awesome. Let me just. Reiterate, <laughs> you were in a class yes. where you were dissecting a, a human body. Yes. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> no, no, I mean, there's a, there actually is a very good reason why you were interested in doing this and what it was relating to, and I think it's fascinating. So, Yes. The, the reason ultimately was um, I have been uh, – Studying and and being concerned with why puppeteers end up having their shoulders replaced and hips replaced and, you know, problems with our necks. And what are we doing, not wrong, but but what are we missing in terms of how we're we're operating and our self-care in between work and self-care during work? So um, on top of a lot of studying of of yoga and movement and restorative uh, physical work and... um, things like that, uh, I discovered a class where yoga instructors were actually invited to partake in this anatomical dissection. And what we were focusing on is fascia, which is, if I don't know if you've ever taken like a, a piece of chicken and pulled back the, the skin, and between the skin and the meat is, is this beautiful glistening um, threads of, of connective tissue. So the theory with fascial studies is that this is basically another organ. Your skin is an organ, and this fascial network 
running underneath. It also wraps around all the muscle fibers. It's this uh, massive system in your body that, you know, when we're working on the, the body and doing the dissection, if we manipulate the toes and the foot, things are moving in the shoulder and the arm. And if we twist the arm around, the, the hip is pulling up. So it's this whole idea of tensegrity. And I'm that was part of my study to try to learn how to develop a system of, of movement and training for puppeteers to stop being so harmed by what we're doing. Actually. And are you still working on on what that end result is? Yes, that. And I'm super excited because now they have online anatomical dissection courses during COVID. Oh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm developing a program for us to, um, to be Very able cool. To. And now I'm hungry for chicken. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Julianne, I have some rapid-fire questions that I'm going to ask you now, okay? Oh, gosh, okay. It's all right. So, whatever comes to your mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Okay. What is the hardest part about being a puppeteer? Uh, the physical pain. What's the easiest part about being a puppeteer? The joyful, fantastic work and being with people I love. <laughs> what is your biggest strength as a puppeteer or performer? Uh, uh, being like triple threat girl and having all these inherent skills. What's your biggest weakness? Uh, being an introvert and um, not knowing what to do socially after the show. <laughs> <laughs> what is one of your favorite things about being a Muppet performer? Everything. Everything, everything. The the family and the characters and the, the whole life of it. If you weren't a puppeteer or a voiceover actor or an actor, what would be your career? I would be doing graphic novels and writing in a little cottage um, on the East Coast and uh, with an English garden and having tea every day. Oh. Nice. <laughs> uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten during your career? Just keep going and get an IRA and invest. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jerry Nelson, we spoke about him earlier. He once said to me, Sesame Street's great, you, you know, but always have something that is your own mm. that you create. Yeah. So, Julianne, what is yeah. that for you? A big anatomical dissection uh, course thing that helps us not lose our shoulders and hips. There you go. That's good. That's it. You Yay! did it. Thank you so much, Julianne, for talking to me on Below the Frame. Thank you, Matt. This was awesome. Thank you so much for including me. You bet. Yay. Can I turn my air conditioner back on? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's Below the Frame. Please connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook so we know that you're out there. Uh, our show today was produced by me. Our theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by the Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holteen at DaveHolteenDesign.com. The award from our sponsor players in the Spatial Awareness ad were Austin Costello, Megan Pifus, Chris Thomas Hayes, Haley Jenkins, Tao Bennett, Kathy Kim, Peter Linz, and Tyler Bunch. Thanks to Julianne Busher, Jennifer Barnhart, Tyler Bunch, Peter Linz, and my son Jack for being a part of this episode. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I'm Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go Below the Frame. Bye. Go, go, go.